listening to The Mindful Creative, the podcast about emotional health for creative wealth. Brought to you by Creatives for Creatives, this podcast was founded on the belief that looking after our emotional health and mindset brings us a wealth of creativity and joy in our creative pursuits. Hey there, and welcome to episode five of The Mindful Creative, overcoming self-criticism, seeing ourselves with eyes of love. In this episode of The Mindful Creative, I'm going to be chatting with portrait photographer Michelle Swan from the Gold Coast, Australia. To connect with Michelle, you can find her at eyesoflove.com.au or at eyesoflovephotography on Instagram. So this episode came about when I was reading Gabrielle Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back. I'd met Michelle when she attended one of my in-person workshops and we connected over brunch when she came to Melbourne for work. Her business is called Eyes of Love Photography, and like most names, sometimes you just see them as an Instagram handle or something that you can identify their brand with. So I hadn't given Michelle's business name too much thought, but it wasn't until I was reading The Universe Has Your Back that the power of it jumped out of the page and smacked me in the face. So I was reading about the concept that how you feel either attracts love or blocks love into your life. So love accepts and judgment blocks. When we live our lives from a pace of love, our world is open to us. We are open to receiving all kinds of positivity and opportunities, but when our perspective and our mind, our perception of ourselves, comes from a place of judgment, we block love, and we also block the things we want for our life. So as I was reading this, Gabby asked, do you look through the eyes of love or the eyes of judgment? And I immediately thought of Michelle and what she was trying to create with her business. So thanks so much for joining me today, Michelle. Thanks, Rachel. I'm so excited to be chatting to you today. So I just wanted to chat to you a little bit about your background. So if you can share some of that and how self-doubt, criticism and judgment showed up in your life. Well, when I was um, preparing to chat to you today and I was thinking about those earliest times where self-criticism and judgment come back, I could really track it back to when I was really young. And the first memories that I remember, um, when I was in grade one, I remember that I wanted to buy a pair of bike pants and they were aqua blue and they had this floral pattern, which is attractive, I know. And um, I remember that my mum told me that I shouldn't wear them because they made my thighs look big. And knowing my my mum and knowing how much she cares about me, I know that it came from a loving place and it definitely wasn't intended to, to hurt me or hurt my feelings. But it was a bit of a pivotal moment because it was the first time that I actually remember being conscious of my physical appearance and considering that my body wasn't good enough to wear the clothes that I wanted. Um, so that was the first time I can remember being self-critical. Um, and then after that, uh, another um, another moment that was really significant is that when I was in grade six, my family, we lived on a... Um, on a farm in country Victoria and we were in a small community. My first school, there were 12 kids in the entire school to give you an idea. So it was like a small tight knit community. And, um, I was a really happy and confident young woman. And we moved to Queensland and the transition was really hard. 
I found it um, like for the first time ever, I, I couldn't make friends, which was really um, unusual for me. And um, I remember being teased about being fat and it was um, really isolating and emotionally scarring because I was taken away from everything that was really familiar to me, moved into state, didn't have any friends, and then all of a sudden I'm being teased about the way that I look. And um, in that moment it really reinforced that who I was wasn't enough and it wasn't until um, there was a popular boy that, that took interest in me and, and that's when the teasing kind of subsided and um, – that theme continued through to high school. Um, some boys tease me about being fat in high school as well. Um, and when I think back now, it's it's pretty crazy because I clearly wasn't I wasn't overweight. But yeah, kids can be really tough. Hey. <laughs> oh my goodness! And but you know, I think that um, what happened in that moment is that 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 self awareness wasn't fully developed yet, and so. It, it created this um, cycle of comparison and continually comparing myself and my body to other people around me. And what I noticed for me, the way that it really manifested is I found myself constantly seeking validation and acceptance externally from people around me because I didn't feel I didn't feel good within myself. I didn't feel that it was safe to be who I was and that I'd be loved and accepted for the way that I looked and who I was. Yes, I mean, you could say that throughout your childhood and adolescence potentially that you looked through the eyes of judgment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, definitely. And, um, you know, it it resulted in a – it was a spiral that led to a full-blown eating disorder, um, you know, in an attempt to control the way that I looked – and um, that was an experience that would lead me in those adolescent years in and out of hospital because I wasn't, you know, obviously wasn't nourishing my body. So I was continually fainting. Mm. And um, it's something that um, that's truthfully a very painful experience but something that's been a catalyst for a lot of positive change in my life at the same time as well. Yeah, and that's, that's great because, I mean, it usually is. It's just it can be so uncomfortable and terrifying going through that to come to the other side. So in terms of like your creative journey, how did those experiences set you up? You know, how did looking through eyes of judgment affect your creative journey? Well, I think that the main thing to point out here is that those, those early um, body shaming, body image issues that came up, it really did have a big impact on the way that I viewed myself and it wasn't just my physical appearance that I was critical about I you know I doubted my intelligence I doubted my creativity and um, also I grew up in a really um, what I would consider to be like a really practical and blue-collar family Um, I can't actually when I think about it I, I really don't even think there's another person in my extended family that's in a creative career. So it wasn't something that was really valued or it wasn't something that was discussed. And I think that um, I had a narrow view growing up that creativity was, um, you know, can you paint, can you draw, can you play an instrument, can you yeah, sing? Yeah, like a lot, of, a lot of us do, right? And I think that is kind of drummed into us from a young age that this is what creative 
creativity is. And like, if you don't have it at that stage, then tough luck kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it would be really interesting actually to like, if, if there were a way to kind of survey adults about that, I think that there would be so many people that would go, yeah, well, I didn't think I was creative because I can't do the things that we've just spoken about. But I've realized now that, um, creativity, there are so many different forms, but in that journey, I think because I couldn't do those things, I really shut myself off creative, like creatively and thought because I can't do these things, then I need to as well choose a really practical career path for myself. Right. So what did you end up doing after school? Like if creativity wasn't something that you saw yourself doing, what did you choose instead? Uh, I chose a really safe career path. Um, one of oh, the yeah, what's a always- safe career path? <laughs> it was safe for me well growing up the things that come really naturally to me is that um, I was a people person I was good at talking and um, I was good at English and so um, I remember you know starting out my career in different office administration roles and um, even though I worked in different interesting businesses and with some really great people there was um, always this underlying feeling of restlessness um, I had this habit of kind of starting a career and and liking it maybe for six months and then those feelings of restlessness would um, arise again. And do you think that was because you were still searching for what made you excited? Do you know, if I think, if I'm being really honest, I think that um, there were always inklings in the back of my mind about photography I, I have this memory of, of when I was when I was little, and my mum had um, this polystyrene box of um, of family photos. And one of the things that I loved to do when I was a kid is that I'd sort through those photos, and um, I'd put them into albums, and and I would just I'd make an album, and then I'd take the photos out, and then I'd make another one. And then there was, um, you know, I remember being in high school, and I was really drawn to the dark room at high school. Um, but I think that, um, the family that I grew up in, it just, like I said, it wasn't something that was valued. So I never considered a creative career, a possibility. It just, it it wasn't even in my realm of consideration, to be honest. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I was going to ask you if, you know, when you had this outlook and how you perceived yourself and what, how you perceived creativity, were you aware of it? But it sounds like, it wasn't even on your radar, so it wasn't something that you were aware of, you know. And at what point did you realize that, in fact, you actually had a, a calling or a gift or there was something out there that could light that fire inside you? Um, what was the thing? Well, do you know what? I think that you're exactly right is that I really didn't have the self-awareness or knowledge to realize at the time that there are many different forms of creativity and just because, you know, you can't paint or you can't sing, it doesn't mean that you're not creative. Um, you can be creative in the way that you cook, the way that you dress, um, the way that you organize your home. It's really limitless. And so um, a turning point for me was I made the leap out of um, office admin careers. And when I was 25, I um, enrolled in uni and I embarked on starting a teaching degree. And that was a real game changer for me. And I didn't know at the time that 
teaching wasn't going to be my long-term career. But the way that that degree really changed me is that um, I grew up with the belief that that I that I wasn't academic. And um, when I started uni, I really I think because like I'd you know made the decision to leave my career. Um, my husband and I had to make financial sacrifices to go through uni. I really treated it like it was a full-time job. And so I really applied myself and I was really studious and I, I did I did really well in uni and I graduated with honours, which was, which was really amazing. So it really um, opened my mind that when I apply myself to something, um, that I can succeed and that I can do well. And then when I actually went from being in uni to being in the classroom, there was something that was really magical about the way that children approach creativity. And um, I started my teaching degree, early, um, teaching mainly in the early years. Um, I had um, like grade two and grade three classes. And um, the kids approached creativity in such a playful manner. And, um, and, and that was something that was, um, was really interesting to me, but it was also really healing as well. Oh, that's brilliant. So after doing that, like, how did you get into photography? If you could, if this opened up a world of, you know, there is something more to creativity or it's accessible to you, how did you land into photography? Um, well, I've got one of my, I'm really lucky that one of my closest girlfriends is, is really creative and she has a jewelry label. And, um, I, like I said, those little inklings around photography, they were in the background, but they were just something that I wasn't ready to kind of acknowledge or step into. But I, um, I bought myself a, um, when I graduated uni, actually, one of the gifts to myself was buying a, a camera. And um, I went out to um, my girlfriend's family farm um, and I was going to take some photos um, for her social media just to practice, like so many of us do when we're, we're kind of learning yeah, photography. We'll totally. start out, yeah, all the friends and family get roped into having their photos taken. And um, Alex's family is really different to my family. So my family is really practical. Her family is just full of artists and her dad's an artist and, you know, he's known me since that I was a teenager. And when we're at the farm that day and we were taking photos, he pulled me to the side and he said to me, Michelle, you really light up when you have the camera in your hand and this is something that you need to explore. And that was um, a really pivotal moment for me. It was the combination of Alex and her dad kind of acknowledging you're a different person when you have the camera in your hand, like you really come alive. And so after, um, after that day, I went home and, and um, she said to me, she's like, just start an Instagram account or start a Facebook account. And I remember at the time um, I had far more friends and family that were on Facebook, so it felt too vulnerable to put myself out and, and having yeah, a Facebook right. page yep. at that time. Um, I also felt really... Um, I knew what I wanted my business name to be, but I was um, that felt vulnerable because um, something that I really cared about. So what I did was I started an Instagram account because that kind of felt lowest risk at that time. Um, and I just started posting photos and, like I said, taking photos of friends and um, and family. And that's how that's how it all started. It started before I was ready. Oh, that's great. It is great because, you know, you can't wait till the perfect moment because there really isn't one. Yeah. Um, so the 
what I really wanted to get you on the episode today was to talk about uh, your business name and what what is behind the business name. So why did you choose to call uh, your photography business Eyes of Love Photography? Is that something that just came to you one day or, you know, is there a message behind that or what does it mean to you? Uh, so the first thing that I'd say is that um, – And the things that we've spoken about earlier is that I'm a really sensitive person and I always have been. And and when you are someone that is highly sensitive, the world can feel like a really harsh place at times. Yeah, definitely can. Oh, Yeah, definitely jarring. And, you know, when I was growing up, if I had a dollar for every time that people said to me, you're too sensitive, get over it, you know, I'd be loaded. And um, so... And I also, just at a side note, have to say that I felt really different from the rest of my family. I felt like I was this really emotional creature in a mm. really practical family. And so from a really young age, I was drawn to self-help books and spiritual books. I started reading them probably when I was around about 16. And um, when I was um, just starting out down that path, one of the first authors that I came across was Louise Hay. And um, Louise had an audio book, um, it was on CD, and one of the affirmations that was on that CD was, I view myself with the eyes of love. And and that's something that really resonated with me and, and it really became a mantra. Um, and I would often, um, it was really for me just a call to kind of stop and ask myself, am I being loving right now and, and am I being kind? Am I speaking to myself the way that I would talk to other people in my life that I love and that I care about? Um, Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm the one person that I'm guaranteed to be with for the rest of my life. So being really kind and loving towards myself is a necessity. So that's where it came from. It, It stemmed from an affirmation. And that's the intention behind my photography as well is Really, I, I work um, predominantly with women, and um, my mission is to help them to view themselves from a loving perspective as well. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing, and it I feel like that's really special uh, because I also do affirmations, and I started to do affirmations in my early 20s when I realized that anxiety was a major uh, contributor in my life and something I'd have to deal with. And you know, without sounding overly dramatic, um, I think affirmations really saved my life. Like it, it turned it around for me. And so I hold a really special, you know, they hold a special place in my heart and it's something that Mm -hmm. I, I still do to this day. So I, I find that anytime I'm doing something new or I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, that self criticism and judgment shows up for me. And one of the things is I know that anxiety and stuff is, is always going to be a factor in my life. So just bringing myself back to the things that I know work and affirmations are one of them. So um, I think it's really quite charming and really beautiful that you have called your business that because it means something just more than, you know, the journey that you're on. Like it's it's a message, it's something of power. Um, I mean, do you still have to use that affirmation? Like does that still show up for you in your life? Oh, so much. So much because this is the thing, right, is that when we're doing something that we really care about 
And um, when you're starting a business, it's something that's vulnerable and it's something that um, is important to you. And there is um, no creativity without vulnerability. There just isn't. So um, pursuing a creative career is something that that feels um, really bold and really courageous to me still. And that goes hand in hand with feeling inc- uncomfortable. Um, there's, I, There are just so many times that I still worry about, am I good enough? How will my work be received? Will they like me? Um, I know that, um, you know, in our businesses, there's things that are intuitive and there are things that are, that come naturally and flow easily. And then there's other things that we need to work at. And editing, for example, is something for me that, that, that still can be really triggering to me. I'll find that sometimes I'll get, I'll get stuck in how I want something to look and I'll think, is it good enough? And then I'll post it onto Instagram and I'll look and I'll go, oh gosh, that doesn't fit on the feed. And then I'll delete it. And then I know it's a never ending journey, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And so it does, it, it pops up all the time. And, um, you know, even, even the comparison, it still pops up, like looking at other photographers and thinking, it, oh, I, I wish I could edit in their consistent style and, um, you know, I'm human. It comes up all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so just before we move on to the next question I've got for you, just for any of the creatives out there who aren't sure what an affirmation is or how that works, can you just give us a little bit of a, you know, what does the affirmation mean to you? Like how do you use it and what is what is it there to achieve? Well, I guess that the, for me, an affirmation is all of it. To me, it always comes back to kindness and to empathy and speaking to yourself with compassion. Um, the one thing that I would say about affirmations, though, that is really interesting, um, and people might have had experience with this, um, say, for example, um, you know, an affirmation might be, um, I don't know. The, I mean, I can tell you the one that I used to use was that, um, I love and accept everything about myself and that I trust mm-hmm. in the process of life and then telling yes. myself I was safe. So that's usually what I would come back to. Um, and that was because I was looking at myself with eyes of judgment and mm-hmm. I was feeling unsafe and that I couldn't trust myself when it was actually, you know, I know that I'm the one person that is always going to look after me and that I can trust. So it was bringing you know, getting rid of those thoughts of like, you're, you're not good enough. You're not okay. Like I would always tell myself I was not okay. I can't do this. I'm not okay. And then I get in panicky. So bringing it mm. back to, um, I trust the process of life. I trust the universe. Or if you're religious, you know, you trust God and that, you know, you're safe. So it was bringing back, bringing back those things that were really going to serve me and allow me to move forward rather than the negative. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I am safe is definitely an affirmation that really resonated with me as well and something that I would say often. What I was trying to articulate before is is one of the things that I learnt with affirmations as well is that sometimes like if we, um, for example, don't believe, like if you're saying I love and accept myself and if behind the scenes you're thinking, well, actually I don't, um, you know, an affirmation can kind of feel counterintuitive. And one of the things that I learnt that goes hand in hand really nicely with affirmations is um, 
And it's in a book by Esther and Jerry Hicks, and it's called Ask and It Is Given. And they talk about an emotional scale. And if we think about this emotional scale, at one end of it is um, I completely love and accept myself. And if at the opposite end was um, I hate myself, right? They're polar opposites. They're so different. And say, for example, if you've kind of been vibing up that I hate myself and you've been really, really critical and really judgmental for a really long time, if you're starting to affirm to yourself, I love and accept myself, I love and accept myself, that is a really, really big jump to get from I hate myself to I love myself. And so one of the strategies that is really, really helpful that I've learned in this book is they're talking about the emotional scale and any improvement along that scale is going to be so helpful. That's very true. Yeah, you know, like if you're moving from I hate myself to, well, I don't mind this about myself and I'm actually pretty good at this and um, I don't do this um, perfectly all the time, but I get it right most of the time. I think that any improvement in working up that scale, you're kind of tipping your point of attraction, I guess, is, is yeah, what I'd You're probably kind of building endurance as well. And like, we all know that you don't go to the gym and lift, you know, 200 pounds or 100 kilos. You've got to work up to that. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. And I think we forget that when it comes to mindset. You know, you've either got it or you don't, or you've got to go to the complete opposite ends as you're describing when in fact, it's just taking those small steps and building endurance, working that muscle mm. if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's actually, oh no, go you go. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, um, there's something that, um, it, it feels a bit vulnerable to share it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Please. Is, um, I've just recently, so for the last year and a half, I've been um, second shooting with a wedding photographer. Oh, great. And if you're someone that's starting out in portrait photography and you have the opportunity to work with an established wedding photographer, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's brilliant. Um, But I've actually just stepped out and I've started doing weddings myself. And um, I photographed a wedding recently. My husband came along. I've taught him photography. He came along oh, as my second beautiful. shooter. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, great. Yeah, which is awesome. I love that we get to share it together. So I um, I photographed a wedding and it was a wedding of a friend that I worked with back in my, my office admin days. And um, in the schedule of their day, there wasn't a really big window of time to do the bridal photos. They were going on a boat cruise. They wanted to be on with their guests. And I kind of communicated in their schedule, look, guys, you're only going to have about 40 minutes for photos and that included time traveling. So I kind of communicated that when we get off the boat, you have to be the first off. We have to leave straight away. We have to head straight there. And then we'll have, you know, about 30 minutes for the photos. And um, as you know, with weddings, that sometimes things don't go to plan. Oh, definitely. (laughs) You know, we got off the boat. Going to the bathroom in a wedding dress is an event in itself. Yeah. That takes time. The, the venue had a picnic basket that they wanted to give them. Um, they were a bit, bit late in that together. And so essentially this, this window of time that I had to have the photos taken was getting smaller and smaller and the light was and, – and in myself I could feel the anxiety rising Um because it was really important to me to capture really beautiful photos of, of my friends. Anyway, we went and we did the photos and um, I can wholeheartedly say that I did the very best that I could. We didn't really have that settling time that you normally have at the beginning of, of a, a shoot, but we just, we, we went all in and, and we had that rapport because we're friends, so we had fun. 
Um, all good. They had a beautiful day. Anyway, I went home and um, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning in an absolute panic because I normally have about an hour to photograph a bride and a groom and this time I didn't. And um, I woke my husband up, which he didn't really appreciate. <laughs> and <That's, laughs> I do this all the time. Matt, like, I need to talk to you. Something's bothering me. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm shaking him at three in the morning, babe. And he's like, Ugh. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know if I got good enough photos. And, and I was so panicked, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I went out into the lounge room. Um, we were staying in an apartment. I, I turned the computer on and um, and I looked through the photos and, and I could see that there were some that I really liked, but there just wasn't that level of variety that I'm used to, right? And um, long story short, what I did was in that panic and in that anxiety, one of the strategies that I found that is really helpful is kind of engaging in self-soothing talk. So what mm. I did in that panic moment is I grabbed my phone and I literally, I wish I had my phone next to me because I could read you the notes. But what I did is I wrote notes like, um, I was taking photos for nine hours that day and I captured lots of beautiful moments throughout the day. Yeah, I like and this. And I just, I literally, I stepped it out for myself like that. This is what I did on the day that was really good. And I was so, I was so polite and friendly and welcoming with all of the guests. And I was really complimentary and I captured beautiful photos um, of the bride getting ready. And I captured that first moment where a dad saw her in a dress and he had tears in his eyes. And I captured the excitement of the groom as he was waiting and he was hugging his guests. And I captured when they put their rings on their finger and the first kiss. And I really soothed myself by going through all of the things that I did well that day. And rather than just, um, you know, boiling everything down to one moment in a nine hour day, that I didn't feel went in my favour and, and where I didn't feel that I performed in the way that I wanted to, um, that's what I'd recommend to people to do. It's, um, you know, it, affirmations are brilliant um, and talking to yourself in a soothing way like you would to your best friend is um, it's a game changer. Yeah, I like that technique and I, you know, so there's things that I've done or big challenges that I've done and I, f I tend to focus on the one thing that went wrong rather than, you know, like there could be 10 things, three might have been wrong, but I might have had seven that I did really well, but I don't focus on those. So I think that is really something that we don't practice enough. And so I really like that technique. I'm, I'm going to use that. I've just got one more question for you. Michelle and I met um, at a workshop that I taught last year. Yeah, it was last year. And so just meeting you for the first time, you know, I just got a sense of who you were but I didn't really realize what you were trying to create in the world with women in business um, and that your business was so much more than taking portraits. Um, so I just wanted to chat, you know, like about Eyes of Love Photography and why it's so important to you to help women overcome their insecurities, you know, getting their portrait done and allowing the camera to really see their true passion and power because watching your business unfold and the message on Instagram and through chatting with you, it it's really made me excited and it's really inspired me to see that, you know, if you're a photographer, you're not just taking pictures. Like there can be a bigger message or something that you're helping people achieve in their lives or the world. So I'm really excited about, you know, trying to make the world a better place, even if it's just one person at a time. So I'd just love to chat to you, like, why is it so important that you help 
women overcome those securities? Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, so I'd say that from the outset, I was really clear that I wanted to work with women and every woman in the world can relate that we live in a society that makes it really tricky for women to love ourselves. We're constantly bombarded with conflicting images, over-photoshopped um, photos. Um, there's actually a documentary. Um, have you seen it before? It's called Embrace with Taryn Brumford. Have you seen that yet? No, I have not. It is, honestly, it's a must-see. It's a brilliant, brilliant documentary. And one of the things that was really jarring when I was watching that documentary is it went through some statistics and one of the stats was that 91% of women hate their bodies, which is, um, you know, it's just... That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It's just absurd. And, um, you know, I really just don't like the thought that there are women out there that are passionate, that they're creative, intelligent, and they're not putting themselves out there and they're doing it for fear of how they look. Um, or perhaps, you know, there's, there's other times, you know, where women might be stepping out in their business and they're really showing up and they're putting brilliant content out there, but they're nowhere to be seen. And, um, you know, I think I'm that. a little bit like that. You know, I mm. like to be behind the camera, not in front of the camera. And there are those things that come up too. So, yeah, yeah. And I just think that, you know, we're hardwired for connection. People want to get to know you. And one thing that's really interesting to me is that even today, when I post a photo of myself on my Instagram feed, without a doubt, that's the photo that gets the most engagement. Mm. Absolutely. We just, um, particularly, you know, um, like with photography, I think that it's vulnerable for a lot of people to step in front of the camera. So they really want to get to know the person that's taking the photo and whatever business you may have, um, people want to get to know you. Um, and so bringing it back to why do I think it's important for women to step out in front of the camera is exactly that. I just think that people want to get the chance to know you, to connect with you, and to love you. Um, and yeah, and, and every single woman can photograph beautifully without exception. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, I think, I think it's great what you're doing and, you know, I, I wish we lived closer, um, so that, you know, you could take, I mean, I can just come up to the Gold Coast and you take, you can take my portrait, but you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I hope, and there probably is uh, more people listening to this podcast that are trying to do something like that. So I think mm -hmm. for me, if there are people out there who feel like they want something more within their creative business, um, just looking at their experiences, you know, so yourself, you had eyes of judgment that you turned into eyes of love, and now you're helping mm -hmm. other people see that as well. Uh, before we go, Michelle, is there a quote or a resource, you know, that helped you get through, you know, any of your journey that allowed you to get to this point where you are, you know, seeing yourself, your creative journey in your business through the eyes of love? There's one that has been really encouraging to me, and that's that every expert was once an amateur. And um, I actually discovered that the word amateur is a French word and it means lover of. And I just think that that is so delightful to think that, you know, we're, we're entering into these creative careers because we have a love for it. And um, what I would say to people is that um, when you're starting out in something, there is going to be a gap between your potential and your skill and what you're capable of delivering. There just is. 
And um, the way that we close that gap is by showing up. It's by doing the work. It's by getting your camera out if you're a photographer and taking those photos and watching the YouTube tutorials or signing up for courses. Um, A creative career doesn't need to be one big, scary, giant leap straight away. You um, You can phase into it by learning on the side. I think if you're a person that um, experiences self-criticism and judgment, then um, Brene Brown is required reading for you. I Absolutely. love that you said required. <laughs> required. I definitely. Yeah, I just got one of her books that I've read before and I'm planning on reading it yearly. Yeah, so the two favourite Brene books that I absolutely love is The Gifts of Imperfection and the other book of hers that I really love is um, – is daring greatly. Is there something but in like the gifts of imperfection that really stood out for you? One of the things that um, that really stood out to me is how Brene talks about that. You know, it's more important to be courageous than it is to be confident, because confidence is born out of practice. So it really begins with being courageous and having a willingness to step into and to lean into those things that are on our heart that are calling us. Oh, yeah, Uh, I love that. Yeah, so that's a brilliant book. And for um, the people that might be listening that um, don't love reading, um, I'd also recommend Brene had a um, a TED Talk that went viral that is absolutely brilliant. Um, And she also has – there's an interview um, series with Oprah that's fantastic – but she also did um, a creative live interview with Chase Jarvis. Yeah, that which one's is brilliant. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, part of his um, 30 Days of Genius, and it's all up on YouTube. Yeah, I'll link to those in the show notes if anyone is interested. You should definitely check it out. So I just want to say thanks, Michelle, for joining me so much today and to talk about, you know, the eyes of love and what that whole journey is about. It's amazing. Oh. So. Thank you, Rach. It was such a, my first time doing a podcast interview, which is really exciting. Another example of just kind of stepping out there. Being courageous. Um, yeah, being courageous. And I just, I really, um, I really appreciate how your podcast is, um, I just feel like it brings so much humility to creativity. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle, on this episode. If you'd like to connect with Michelle and her inspiring way of being in the world, you can find her at eyesoflove.com.au or at Eyes of Love Photography on Instagram. That's it for this episode of The Mindful Creative. A big thanks to all the creatives who make this podcast possible. And until we meet again, thanks for listening. Thanks.